Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Farming with Mairead Lavery on Moncrief. Mairead, good afternoon to you. How are you doing? I'm doing grand, thank you, Sean, and yourself. I sure I can't complain. No one listens anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> the, uh, are the, so the cows back out in the grass again? Things are that good. Yeah, would you believe it? I was in the car. I was off on a little journey ye- yesterday, and I couldn't believe the amount of cows that were out grazing grass. And and you know we're on what the tenth of November now. Mm. So I know you could say this is global warming, and you probably would say it, but it's certainly beautiful weather, and most people. That, that's the way they're taking it. Now, the, the cows are only out mopping up pastures because the days are shorter anyway. And because of that, grass won't be grown anything like as much. So, um, yeah, but they are out, out by daylight hours, which is lovely. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's strange and lovely, uh, um, but also very, yeah, very but strange. Then, you, know, ju- ju- you know, just even the leaves that I was talking to you about last week, the leaves on the trees, you know, they haven't hardly gone out any further. We've had such lovely weather for the last week. And, um, you know, I look at it, it's um, it, it's a nice time now at this this time of the year when the, when the weather is nice. Yeah, and I suppose on a related subject, uh, well, I suppose it's good news, except if you're a vegan. Uh, Ireland has won 46 gold medals at the World Steak Challenge. What is the World Steak Challenge? Yeah, that's just been announced there this afternoon. And uh, I said I'd let your listeners know if they're going out having a steak this evening. The great news is that we've there's never, no country has ever won um, 46 gold medals at this. Um, it's an event, it's kind of organised partly, you know, well, Borbia would be hosting it in Ireland. And um, it's it's organised by the William Reed Business Media. They're the people that look after the world's 50 best restaurants. And it's, it's really about showcasing what we have and particularly what we can at an export level produce with all the different cuts. So it's it's very good news. Um, Sorline Cuts actually won 19 of the gold medals. Ribeye went 16 of them. And the Phillips got eight, 11 gold medals. And winners, Irish winners included Ashburn Meats. A lot of your listeners will be familiar mm. with them. The Liffey Meats. Pat Whelan Butchers, you know them. He's out there in a lot of the Avoca shops and in Dunn stores around the country. FX Buck, Buckley, Martin Jennings and Higgins' Butchers. They were all w- winners. And, you know, so it was hosted in, in Fire Steakhouse. Now, it's not held in Ireland every year. Um, you know, it rotates around the world. But this year, certainly Ireland achieved something that nobody else did, which is 46 gold medals. And every one of them are reared on a grass-based system. Right. So, you know, there was no imported grains or anything like that to feed them. So, uh, yeah, so that's the story there. Okay, yeah, so that would have been butchers then. Would it have been not, not, not yeah, farmers butchers, getting Yeah, well the, well, the farmers are producing the animals yeah. and producing them to a spec and a quality spec that certainly some of the, the butchers would have looked for. And um, that's their job to produce the, the animal. And then it's to be, you know, properly killed and properly processed. And that's the job of the butchers. And, you know, if you st- go into those some of those butcher shops, you'll certainly see meat uh, prepared with lots of options for the customer and prepared to a very high standard. And this is world recognition of that now at the World Steak Challenge. Uh, And uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the Leader Programme. Yes. Now, in my opinion, and I I know that sounds very pompous, but honest to God, I think um, the the leader, uh, the advent of leader 30 years ago saved rural Ireland. And I I don't say that in any way... um, you know, it, it, it's, I'm not um, exaggerating here. 
Uh, I came to this farm 35 years ago in West Limerick. Um, there was no play schools. There was no playgrounds. Um, it was impossible to get a grant if you wanted to set up a small business, any support whatsoever. Community halls were falling down, not only ice boxes if you wanted to hold a meeting there at night. There wasn't, I mean, apart from the GAA and the church committee and whoever was fundraising for the school, there was very little else going on in rural Ireland. And then Leader came along. And Leader was a totally new concept. And it was bottom up. It was communities helping each themselves or helping each other and a community getting together to help itself. And, you know, and, and it did it. And it, it developed community leadership right across the whole of the country. And some of the best people who ever, you know, walked the planet in rural Ireland, the leader program gave them the, um, the wherewithal to, to do stuff that really supported the community. So, for instance, if you were wanting to set up a, a bakery or start a jam making business or open a creche or you know, the multitude of services and artisan business that we take for granted in rural Ireland now, if you wanted to do any of that, you couldn't. Because, you know, unless you had the big deep pockets that you could chance it on, you really were, it was up to yourself to do it or not. And when Leader came, they had a small bit of money, but they were able to give grant aid for feasibility studies or for marketing or for establishing a website or for training. And money made, that money made the difference between so many well-recognized businesses getting started or not. And I, I know, you know, I covered so many of these businesses for the Farmers Journal. And at the end of the meeting, they'd say we'd never done it without the leader funding. Mm. And the, the word the leader funding was really, really mattered by there was it ran in five year periods. The first five years, not all the country was included. It was more a pilot. The second five years, most of the country was in it. And it, the wonderful thing here was it wasn't driven by county councillors or local authority employees, and no, no disrespect or disregard to them. But the people who knew their community were the people of the community. They knew what the wants and the needs were. And, and, and they really came up with plans for their communities in terms of getting rid of, you know, but putting in playgrounds, uh, play schools, um, support, you know, yoga classes, things you take for granted. If you don't have a good community hall in a rural area or an urban area for that matter, nothing can happen. But if you've got a good community hall with good facilities in it, the world is your oyster. Oyster, You can get anywhere with it. And this is the kind of stuff they, they, um, they funded. So they've been running for, you know, every five years up to now. Um, but now they're, I suppose, more associated with the local authority. Gradually, that independence kind of was whittled away on them. And they're still doing fiercely good work, fierce, important work. And um, back now, uh, on Monday next, uh, there's a celebration. Well, it's not a celebration. It's a look back at the whole um, leader program for the last 30 years. It's been hosted by the National Rural Network. And anyone is invited to log on. It's a free conference. It's on www.nationalruralnetwork.ie. It's on this coming Monday uh, from nine until one o'clock. And it's looking to uh, 30 years of leader, learning from the past, looking to the future. And if, if the next 30 years of, le of leader is as good as the last 30 years of it, 
it lived on a fine thing for rural Ireland. It was a rural area. Uh, it was based in rural Ireland and based around enterprise and the needs of developing enterprise. And it succeeded massively in doing it. Yeah. So it's, um, it's nice to hear of a scheme actually that does, you know, uh, do what it says yeah, well, on the tin. Yeah, well, I was on the board of West Limerick and um, and I'm involved with a different part of Ballyhowra and I, I just see it from the ground up. You know, like when you empower people at ground level because you, you, you put a facilitator in with them or an enterprise officer and they say, well, this could be done in the area. We could build a walk here. We could, you know, do some tourism here. We could rent out bikes. And then people come forward, they have the idea, they come forward and they get a bit of support from the feasibility study. They get them, you know, some marketing, they get in a website and all of a sudden all of that stuff is is happening for them. And the next thing they have a business and 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 it really has been a matter of build and they come. And and certainly there's been so many super tourism projects around rural Ireland that have been that have benefited from uh, the leader program. But it's also the people who set up these businesses at the kitchen table and who maybe now employ 20 or 30 people mm. in the local village. That's what Leader was about. And it, it succeeded. And I think without it happening at the time it did, you know, people wouldn't have stayed in rural Ireland. There would have been no initiative, no, you know, real change happening. And, and that change came in with Leader, in my opinion. So people who have a view one way or the other, 9 to 1 p.m., on Monday, the 15th of November, um, at the www.nationalruralnetwork.ie. And it's free. And just register and you can get involved. Now, something else that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing more of uh, in the future is uh, organic agriculture. Uh, well, uh, what, the Minister of State is trying to promote that a lot. Well, what's she up to? Yeah, yeah. Pippa Hackett is the Minister for um, Biodiversity and Land Use. And she's a Green Party TD. So this is high on her agenda and we had a, a scheme there for organic farmers that closed a couple of months ago and they didn't get half as many as they hoped to get. So now this is a further drive. There's a lot more money for organic farming and for schemes and for training and for um, developing markets than there was. And unfortunately, for in the horticulture or not the, in the organic sector, an awful lot of people produce organic product and it gets sold as ordinary you know commercial product it doesn't get a premium price attached to it like it should and it's a kind of chicken and egg situation there isn't maybe necessarily a guaranteed supply in some areas year round and if there isn't a guaranteed supply nobody's prepared to kind of you know take it for three months of the year or something and so they need scale to be able to get these premium markets so um Minister Hackett has organised uh, or is organising through Chagask a series of organic demonstration farm walks that will cover beef, cereal, horticulture, dairy, sheep and poultry enterprises. And it'll be the highlight will be looking at the direct selling opportunities that exist and help farmers to learn from their peers. Now, there's nothing works as well in terms of learning as see and tell, show and tell show someone what's going on, tell them the story, what's going on. They'll take that home with them very strongly. And the first of these um, meetings took place last week over in Euros, and there was about 250 people at it. Now, that, that is certainly a very big number, especially now in a time of COVID, to actually turn up at an event uh, to see what, what's happening in organics. And, and that bodes well for the rest of it. The aim... Of, of Pippa's packet's aim is to get 7.5% of the land mass in Ireland, which is the EU norm, 
farmed organically. We have an awful lot less. I think we're only down at one and a half, two percent or something like that. And she's so she's reopening the organic farm scheme in January to new applicants. And this series of meetings should give people an idea of what they have to do to make the change over and, and if they're up for the job. So um, she's backing it up with um, extra supports for organic processing and for capital investment. So if you want to check out more on this, it's the Chagas website you need to have a look at. Right. OK, now what's pon, uh, Ponticum? Is that how you say it? Ponticum. Ponticum. Yeah. Yeah. Well... It's the devil incarnate if you're down in Killarney. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, um, and, and you know what? If you're looking at it, I've told you this before, but way back in 1986, on the 24th of May, I organized my wedding around the appearance of rhododendrons and uh, down in Ballyarter in, uh, in, in Wicklow. And, uh, and of course, the weather was so bad that year. Talking about climate change, the weather was shocking that year and the Ponticums had hardly appeared. Um, there was only a small, small few out. So my idea of having this lovely backdrop of all these rhododendrons never worked. But anyway, down in Killarney, they're causing an awful problem. And believe it or not, the first national conference on the invasive species of Rhododendron ponticum. Now, these are not the rhododendrons that you have growing around the, the front of the house. Anyway, it was held in Killarney last year. This is the kind of the purple ponticum that would have been brought in 150 years ago. It was nice and showy, but it is an absolute devil to keep growing and to keep expanding and to keep taking over ground. And the thing about it is, you know, it's 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 a plant that's toxic to livestock, to grazers like the deer down the National Park. It's no good to wildlife. It's no good for the bees, the birds or the insects. And it's absolutely a disaster when it comes to the native habitats, including the woodlands, peatlands, wetland, wet and dry heaths. So um, a, a doctor of trees now, I, I don't know this woman, but she's um, what she described it as was invisible pollution. And I think an awful lot of people would agree with that. So getting rid of Ponticum, it is not possible for individuals to clear it off their land because it just keeps sprouting all the time and expanding all the time. So they're looking for support. Now, you know, that support can be, you know, financial or manpower. But people, organisations like the um, Men's Sheds have spent weekends in Killarney working in the, the National Park helping to get rid of Ponticum. And, you know, an awful lot of businesses now have, you know, days, volunteer days, and and maybe a day or two volunteering to help with the get rid of the Ponticum down in Killarney is something that their organisations would consider. Not but anyway, it's, um, there's, a, there's a national invasive species plan on the way, and hopefully that will contain measures to get rid of this stuff. But about 30% of the land of Ireland is capable of growing it. So if it's not stopped, um, it'll just keep spreading. And that's that's the, the bottom line. Right. Um, uh, we have to leave it there. Thanks a million. Uh, as ever, Mairead Lavery there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break. After- Moncrief on Newstalk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.